Hello and welcome to our podcast, Unmute Now. We continue this week with a series of presentations from our Leveling Up Symposium held in Black History Month, October 2022. This week, Clover Watts, an HR consultant with over a decade of experience, speaks to us about employability. Clover presents tips about how to become or how to remain marketable and how to up your game in the context of employability. Enjoy this presentation and please like, subscribe or leave us a comment. Thank you. I'm really, really honored to be here this afternoon. I'm contributing um, in terms of employability for economic empowerment. And later on, I'm going to um, just go through, firstly, some definitions of what employability is and what empowerment means and all of that and, you know, and drill down into it just a little bit more. I want to go through some definitions because we need to understand what employability is and what economic empowerment is, um, you know, before we can kind of drill down and understand what, what we're talking about here today. So I, I don't know if I'm blocking anyone, but it says employability refers to the attributes of a person that make that person able to gain and maintain employment. And when we talk about attributes, what is that? communication skills, your interpersonal skills, your organizational skills, um, problem solving, they could be anything, your commitment, um, how dependable you are, those are personal attributes. Um, quality of being suitable for paid work, yeah? You need to be suitable for paid work to be able to, to get employed, right? Um, the set of achievements, skills, experience, Sylvia spoke about that, and then they say again, personal attributes that help you achieve success in your chosen career. So it's all well and good. You have skills and you have a degree and so on. But if those other personal competences and attributes aren't there, you know, you, 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 you don't have much further to go. All right. It's, it's, or I should say it's difficult. All right. Um, and then we want to look at empowerment. And this is something I'm going to talk about, you know, a little later on. Um, further the process of becoming stronger and more confident especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights empowerment it's as an action refers both to the process of self-empowerment and professional support of people which enables them to overcome their sense of powerlessness and lack of influence and to recognize and use their resources and i've highlighted some of those words so it's about an action to empower yourself you need to be moving okay professional support of people overcoming their sense of powerlessness lack of influence but you have all that going but you need to move from there and recognize you know and use whatever you have whatever skills whatever resources you have just to empower yourself empowerment it is a concept which is characterized by a move from Behaviors that are deficit-oriented to a more strength-oriented, you know, behavior, okay? Um, and you have to wonder here, which, you know, the, the saying, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know? Um, do you need to be employed to empower yourself or you need to empower yourself to become employed? You know, it's always one of those um, situations, okay? So, next slide. 
All right. So I'll be asking you a lot of questions because I don't want this to be a talk intercession um, necessarily. So I'll be putting questions to you. Not necessarily that I need you to shout out an answer, but for you to just think about them. Okay. So having, you know, considered the, the definitions, um, questions, how can we become stronger and more confident and be in control of our life and claim our rights through employability? And how can we claim economic empowerment? That is what, you know, we want to talk about today. And I'm going to go from it from an HR perspective. I do like to work with figures and data and all of that. So I have some information to share with you from his recruitment. And it is the, the, it's a recent research titled What Workers Want. And they had 5,100 professionals responding um, across a variety of industries. And I don't know if you can see the screen. I'm not sure um, if I'm blocking blocking your anything. So there's a disconnect between employers and employees when it comes to learning. Okay. 84% of professionals believe they are very much open to learning new skills, but only 54% of employers believe their employees are open to learning new skills. Complete disconnect. 90% of employers are worried about a lack of skills in their organization, the right skills. With all the talent that's out there, that shouldn't be the case. But for some reason, 90% of the employees are worried about having the right skill to meet, meet the, the future needs. 93% of employers agree that continuous upskilling is important to employees being successful in doing their job in the future, future-proofing. Reasons employers upskill existing employees. So they have their reasons. Um, and it's, it's, of course, to their benefit. So if they're upskilling their employees, the benefit to the employees is that there's career progression, but it sets up for succession planning, you know, for skills within the organization also. So that is one big thing. You know, companies, good companies are always looking for successes, especially in critical roles within the organization. So if they're continuing to train and upskill their employees, they are setting the stage for having those future skills to replace people who might progress further or leave. Okay. Um, it will always, quite likely, most likely, um, improve the performance of the individuals. That's 26%. Usually, um, employees are most times quite satisfied and more committed to organizations who invest in them. So there is 23% um, would 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 be sorry. The of the reasons that em employers upskill their existing employees, that would amount to 23% employee satisfaction. 84% of employees agree, but say not having the time during working hours is a barrier to them achieving that. Now, sometimes that's an excuse, is, is a, an excuse, but yes, there are real reasons. And the top barriers, oh, people are overworked in a lot of cases. I can tell you that I've, every job that I've had, I've never been able 
to just say every day I'm going to go home at the right time. I work hours and hours, and that is how life is in a lot of cases. Um, so, and, and people end up sometimes not having that work-life balance. So speaking that, yes, you need to give ex some extra time and show the effort and availability and the attitude, um, but some sometimes it can be extreme. So people end up having too high workloads and working hours. Um, yes, people have their personal and family activities and also, you know, their lack of, of res resources. You know, people don't have, be it the company, are not providing the resources sometimes or they don't have the resources themselves to go and upscale. But we can talk about how we can counter that later on, all right? Most employers said that they would be willing to hire someone who doesn't have the right, all the right skills with the intention of upskilling them on the job. And that is where we talk about um, aptitude and availability, okay? So, as you can see there, a lot of, you know, focus is on growth and learning from that research um, by Hayes and the importance, you know, of upskilling yourself and growing. Um, and it, it certainly brought to mind that quote from Benjamin Franklin, who is one of America's um, founding fathers. So it says, without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have absolutely no meaning. And that is so true. So I have, um, you know, some advice. My personal advice to you is that, yes, you've got a job. So, and I keep going back, what then? You have to have a mindset that is focused on learning. You can't stay static. You will become a dinosaur. You know what happened to dinosaurs, right? Okay, right. <laughs> We can only find their fossil <laughs> at the minute, all right? So you don't want to be that. So some of my do's, be proactive in continuing the path of learning and developing your skills and um, competencies. There are many um, opportunities out there, um, out in the big wide world. Um, there's every, you can learn, we're talking early, I think Marjo was talking about what she learned. She learned to cook on YouTube. You can learn to do almost anything on YouTube. You know, you have TED Talks, you have podcasts, you have all kinds of things. So to me, it's not just about the classic learning of going and getting a certificate or a degree or so on. There are so many ways out there you can learn a skill or improve yourself without, you know, having to pay any money. All right. But organizations, there are organizations there that are willing to invest in you, but you have to have, we spoke about intention, being intentional about everything. This is something Sylvia mentioned earlier uh, with your CV and so on. Be intentional about, you know, upskilling yourself. Go and talk to the HR manager or HR, somebody in HR team, the learn and development team, somebody, you know, um, take, so basically take responsibility for your own development. Take the opportunity to shadow someone in the organization if you identify a skill area you are interested in learning. Um, there are lots of apprentice, apprenticeships out there and other steps to work, you know, opportunities. And the apprenticeships, they're usually paid and you're learning a skill, you know, at the same time. So you, you just need to keep searching. With, you know, earlier Sylvia also spoke about seeking out a mentor and how people love to teach and it is a fact 
if you approach somebody of more experience in your organization or more senior and say, look, you know, I really um, appreciate your skills and your competence and I see how you have, um, you know, helped such and such and I'm watching you and so on and I really, there's a lot I could just learn from you. You'd be surprised they would jump at it. Okay, so you don't have to wait for your manager or somebody to assign your mentor. Go and ask for one. Approach somebody and say, I'd like, you know, to sit with you and learn something. Um, and it doesn't have to be in work. It can be a community. I have if you're involved in your faith groups. Um, and just people who have faith in you and your talent and that gift that you have, that you naturally have. For the migrant um, groups, um, I just wanted to add a few, few things, all right? And when we were discussing in um, last week and in a workshop, you know, prior to this, 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 this session happening, we had broken on the migrant groups. We looked at professionals, you know, they're independent, you know, and secure. Refugees who are seeking asylum, persecution, you know, um, from persecution and wars and so on. Those transitioning through spousal connection and then we have students and so on. So within each group, we may have, you know, various factors that could affect their employability. Um, but I think in, in a lot of ways, the most vulner vulnerable group that we're dealing with are the refugees um, who are mostly unable to work unfortunately. And, you know, as outlined by Dr. Dan last week, you know, we talk about, again, the, the hierarchy of needs. They will be, want to be, you know, ensuring that they have food and shelter and they're safe and all of that, you know, um, those, those needs are, are, are first and foremost, okay? Um, and it is a difficult one, really and truly, to address. So, I am cognizant of that and I'm never able, you know, really, un I, I don't really always understand how to give support and what kind of advice I can give to that group. But I would say, I think people can, can volunteer themselves, can't they? Yeah. And I know that they also get some kind of a, a benefit you know, that they get each week. And that, I suppose, they have to live off that and look after themselves and so on. But find community groups, find faith groups, you know, whatever it is, because that is where the connection, you're going to start to make the connections, um, getting, you know, volunteering yourself. People can see your skills. You can, you know, just start developing certain skills that you'll need for living and working in this Western world. Okay, because things can be very, very different and things that you have to cope with and deal with and understand, you know, you're going to have to learn how to, how, how to deal with those things. So I understand, you know, that the, the, there are cultural orientations and changes that people have to make. So get out there as much as if you know people tell them, get out there as much as you can, get involved with community groups, you know, there's actually who can you know, give them guidance and other, you know, of their own cultural groups that can provide, you know, guidance and help and support and help them to build up whatever skills are necessary. Start in the best possible job you can get. We were speaking, I think, at the workshop about 
about the fact that people are so qualified, mind you, like myself, you know, there are certain qualifications that I had to redo when I came here, okay? Or add to my qualifications, I should say. But you don't necessarily have to clean. Right? You don't necessarily have to do those more menial tasks. I'm not by any chance saying that it's not important. But if that is what you can do, find a way to make yourself be seen. And I'll give you an example. The company I work for now, there was a migrant employee and many years because he's now one of our managers. He started as a cleaner on the shop floor. He had his qualifications from his country, but it was economic. He was an economic migrant. And what he did, he's, you know, he was speaking to people. He was watching the notice board to see, you know, what opportunities were coming up. He would come in and talk to us in HR. And he was such a pleasant person. You couldn't help but want to speak to him anyway, you know. And the fact is that, you know, he kept doing that. Then he got a job on the manufacturing floor. Then he was promoted. Then a job came up, a second man came up in another team and he applied for that job. They kept him on per permanently because he was so good. Um, and now, as I said, he's a manager for that team. And what I'm saying is, I have loads and loads of examples that I could sit here and talk to you about all day of people who have started. So what I'm saying, when I say take the best job that you can get, um, one, I'm saying you don't necessarily have to take the most menial of, of, of jobs, but if it so happens that, you know what, I need to survive, I need to get a job, I'm going to take this job, keep an eye out, keep looking out for the next best thing and keep progressing and keep pro pro progressing and progressing. Don't just sit there and think that that is, that is, that is it. Okay. Because people come with a host of skills. Some people are naturally talented in certain things and you need to find a way to let people know that you have that talent. Okay. Um, so, oh, the other thing that's important, don't eliminate yourself from a job because you don't believe you meet the criteria. It's just something I need to, to, to raise. And women, they say, have a way of doing that. If we feel like we don't meet all the criteria in a job, we don't go for it. The men, <laughs> maybe they only meet half <laughs> and they're going, they're putting themselves out there. Um, and what the other thing that LinkedIn, you know, I like my information, LinkedIn data shows that women were also less likely to apply for positions that were, were, that were more senior than their current position the roles that they consider to be stretch roles. So it's higher than the position they're in nowadays. They feel that, you know, they're not qualified for it. They're not ready for it. And so they don't apply. A man doesn't do that. Okay, they go for it. So what I'm saying is, if you feel that you meet particular criteria, you have certain skill set and talent, you, you, you apply. Let them tell you that they're not interested. You don't, you know, put, always put yourself forward. I don't know if you've ever heard of, you know, pestle analysis. And companies would use it, would use it more often um, for trying to understand their environment. But I would say that they're relevant for individuals also. Um, 
So, you know, when you consider your employability at a point in time, and these are factors that can impact, you know, um, and you at any point as they, you know, impact on, um, on, on your op on operations in an, in an organization. So, and it can be negatively, it can be positively. Um, so if you're certainly, if you're thinking of starting a business, it's something that you need to be thinking about these, these factors and how they can impact on um, your decisions and influence decisions in business, okay? So it's political, um, economic, um, social, sociocultural, te technological, legal, environmental. So the political one, if you're here this morning, things like Brexit, you know, and how it, it will impact you. And um, it's, it's usually connected to government, you know, to, to government and laws and, and regulations um, and so on. And you can see how the, what it caused, what Brexit caused, you know, in loss of labor, uh, when the EU, EU nationals, you know, you know, left in droves and that big exodus um, and, you know, creating instability. And sometimes when you have, of course, when you have instability in an, in, in an environment, you know, it kind of is a challenge in terms of, you know, how you move forward. Economic, oh my goodness, I don't even need to talk about this. You know, the cost of living crisis now being experienced, you know, the, the cost of borrowing, inflation, exchange rates, and so on. You know, everyday energy bills are going up, you know, just life's necessities become um, out of reach, just more expensive and you, can, you can't financially cope or you're struggling um, to cope. And then you have, you know, so social or the sociocultural, cultural factors, um, you know, less to spend on entertaining, um, sorry, and having, you know, a more rounded lifestyle. It also talks about, you know, demographics, um, an aging, the aging population, you know, some, or some countries, you know, like, like Canada, and Australia, they're looking for, you know, skilled workers to come in of a certain age, you know, to fill jobs and increase birth rates and, you know, and, and all, all that kind of thing. So that is what we will talk about. We'll talk about, you know, social trends and factors. Oh, and the technological changes. Now, that's a big one. And we've seen seismic shifts in the last decade um, on that, the evolution of the digital world, you know, AI, social media, Everybody's an influencer these days. Everybody is a YouTuber. We're TikToking. We're doing all of that. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And the legal one, it, quite similar to, you know, what is happening politically. Um, so it, it, all, it all ties up. Again, we're talking about labor laws, um, immigration laws, discrimination laws, that kind of thing, and how it can impact your employability. The environmental ones, well, I don't need to talk about the pandemic because that is what we talk about, climate changes, you know, weather, acts of God, that type of thing. Um, and these are things that you really need to consider how they can impact upon you, even in your personal life, when you're making your decisions. And so, you know, with all these things coming to that, <laughs> that can impact on life and employability, um, even where the circumstances are dire and, you know, adverse, there are people who are, you know, making it, they're surviving, they're thriving. Um, YouTubers can be making loads and loads and loads of money, you know, with this, this whole shift. Um, the other day, uh, the Craig Avon Councillor, all our bid men were on strike for weeks, if not months. 
and truck men you were making lots of money you know collecting you know 10 10 pounds 20 pounds a collection you know and that that type of thing to take away a bin so i'm saying in every circumstance we are seeing how even the pandemic how people got rich overnight through 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 that so what i'm saying is all of the in all those factors they can impact you one way or the other and impact on whether you know your employability at any point in time so it is that is why it is so important that you know what you're born to do um what you're passionate about um and how you're going to achieve that. This is from Harvard Business Review. History's great achievers, and Napoleon and da Vinci and Mozart have always managed themselves. That in large measure is what makes them great achievers, but they are rare exceptions. So unusual, both in their talents and their accomplishments as to be considered outside the boundaries of ordinary human existence. Now, most of us, even those of us with modest endowments, We'll have to learn to manage ourselves. We will have to learn to develop ourselves. We will have to place ourselves where we can make the greatest contribution. And we will have to stay mentally alert and engaged during a 50-year working life. Oh my God, can you imagine? Which means knowing how and when to change the work we do. So, I mean, we need to take control basically of the things we do to empower ourselves and you know because and that we, that is where we get to the point of empowerment now right so yes we're employable we're great cv we post it on linkedin we do we interview we wow them and we get this job and then sometimes we can just get oh god i'm sick of this now you know kind of thing i need to make the best move. but you won't ever be satisfied until you feel that you're doing what you're born to do we must navigate what I'd say the world around us, it is constantly changing and evolving. And so we must always move alongside the changes as organizations and the environment transforms. We need to transform also. If something is not working out for you, then stop moaning and do something about it. That's, that's all I, I'm saying, okay? Um, the next step may take some time. It could, as I said, it could take 18, um, months it could take three years it could take five years but if you don't make a plan you're going to remain um stagnant you know recognize when it's time to reskill upskill to keep growing to increase your promotion opportunities or open up more more career options and then you know it requires the spirit and energy um to build that agility and resilience you know you kind of have to move with a bounce in your step you know what i mean you know um you can't just be down you know, posture, have a very strength-oriented um, mindset, okay? Next. And as we talk about that, oh, that's, slide is not, yeah, bottom came up before. You know, I want to go back to this, and we'll talk about action and concept, deficit-oriented behaviors, strength-oriented behaviors. Eight is intentional as an action. You have to have deliberate movement steps, um, doing something to achieve a result, okay? Um, as a concept, it has to be a behavioral shift, an attitude shift. You have some people, it's always negative, glass half empty attitude. Um, but what we want to move to is that strength-oriented behavior, 
okay, that we saw in the, that, that came from the, um, the definition, a positive state that we want to move to. You know, every single day of our lives, we have to make decisions. I'm coming, going home, you know, from work in the Moira traffic at the, the, the roundabout with, you know, backed up all the way down the motorway. And I know there's a better route to go to get me home 15 minutes late. Why would I stay in there and moan and groan? And I'm going to get out of that, that lane and I'm going to find that other route to get home. You know, I mean, it's a simple analogy, but that is kind of how we have to think about life. We don't stay in the same lane and be miserable when there are choices, there are forks in the road that you can actually take, okay? Um, again, Harvard Business Review, most people think they know what they're good at. They're usually wrong. Most, more often people know what they're not good at and even then more people are wrong than right. And yet a person can perform only from strength, that strength-oriented place. What is it that is in you that gives you that passion and that drive? One cannot build performance on weakness, let alone on something one cannot do at all. Okay, so find that strength within yourself, that passion to know what you need to do and when to move. Okay. We'll... And another quote that I really, really love, we live in an age of unprecedented opportunity. If you've got ambition, drive and smarts, you can rise to the top of your chosen profession, regardless of where you started out. But with opportunity comes responsibility. Companies today aren't managing their knowledge workers' careers. Rather, we must each be our own chief executive officer. Simply put, it is up to you to carve out your place in work, in the work world and know when to change course. And it is up to you to keep yourself engaged and productive during a work life that may span some 50 years. To do these things well, you'll need to cultivate a deep understanding of yourself. What are, you most, what are your most valuable strengths and most dangerous weaknesses? Equally important, how do you learn and work with others? And what are your most deeply held values? And what type of work environment can you make the greatest contribution the implication is clear only when you operate from a combination of your strengths and self-knowledge can you achieve true and lasting excellence okay and that is i was talking about steve bartlett you know this morning everybody should know this guy if you don't know him go and look him up he's one of the youngest british um, businessman. I think he's about 30 years of age now. Is he a billionaire? I believe. Um, certainly a millionaire. And that is his quote. There's no personal development without self-awareness. If you can't read yourself, you won't learn anything. Um, he was born in Botswana, but he's classified as a British businessman. You know, maybe he came here as a baby. Um, and you need to look him up. But that is so poignant, you know, such strength in that if you don't know yourself if you're not aware of yourself you can't really learn anything so my next slide just continues on from that understanding and working on yourself okay and this is all about making yourself employable and empowering yourself if you're not self-aware you can't do any of these things so you need to ask yourself we spoke about where to know where you belong 
Um, and a big part of that is understanding, you know, the, the, the kind of work, um, the style of work that you like to do. Are you hands-on? Are you practical? You know, you like to read and, you know, gain knowledge, your values, your beliefs, you know, your personal characteristics. You know, you need to know all of those things. I'm just, you know, trying to push, push us along so we can talk about it after. So, you know, I'm thinking if you, could you, if you were, strong in your faith and your religion and you're a Christian, could you work in a cigarette factory kind of thing? You know what I mean? Is Those are some of the things that you, you kind of have to really think about. Okay? And you need to work on you. Set your goals. Identify your areas for development. Um, you could be technically um, brilliant, but your interpersonal skills or your communication skills might, might need to be worked on and that could limit your progress. Improve your strengths and work to overcome pride and arrogance. And I put that there because sometimes people don't like to say, I don't know, or I need help, or I need a mentor, and so on. Okay? So what's your mindset coming to the end? And, you know, these slides are available because they are prime questions that you really need to think about. Um, how much of an all-round and inclusive person are you? And what do I mean? Do you just go in, do a job, go home? When colleagues need help, do you go the extra mile? Do you share your knowledge? Do you get in, involved in other aspects of your work life or you just get back home? There are affinity groups, there are social activities, there are charity volunteering committees, engagement forums, all of that. All of those things can help you to be seen and known and your skills, you know, to rise. Um, are you focused on cultivating new skills? As I said, you don't have to pay these days to learn. There's digital learning podcasts, free seminars, webinars, YouTube, TED Talks, you know, free learning hubs. But there's a traditional, you know, self-help books, magazines, classroom learning and so on. If you're starting your own business, there's Invest NI free GoFred programs. There's support for startups, you know, their grants and so on. So, you know, you need to, but at the end of the day, you need to set your life goals and plan it out. Um, you need to write it down. You need to have a time frame. You need to know what you're doing to achieve them. And you need to know what your SWAT is, your strengths, your weaknesses. What are those opportunities that are available out there? What are your threats? What are the barriers that would keep you back? So just if I'm finishing off now, um, I wanted to leave this with you. Because most of us will never own our own business. Most of us will not become millionaires and CEOs and all of that or entrepreneurs. Most of us here will be working for an organization. And some of the things that organizations are looking for. So you've got the job. What else do they want to see in their employees? They want to see that they have a passion to learn and grow and focus on their own personal development. Organizations will provide resources, funding, time, but you need to show the interest okay, that you want it, you know, to put the effort in. Self-starters, you're motivated and you're proactive, dynamic and committed to really high quality work. You're business-centric and contribute in whatever way to success. Problem solvers, you're focused on continuous improvement. Tenacious, assertive, these are all words that they might sound like buzzwords, but they are real and this is what people are looking for, the businesses are looking for in their organization. I can do, will do, proactive attitude. 